Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 25 on Jacob and Esau as we study the two nations and two manners of people that they were when they were born and what God records about them through their birth. We want to continue to ask for your prayers for the Jewish evangelism outreach going on right now with Israel Restoration Ministries. And our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder and president of Israel Restoration Ministries, a specific Jewish evangelism outreach ministry trying to reach Jewish people around the world, from Israel all the way to Canada, the U.S., South America, wherever Jewish people are. We have missionaries working full-time, part-time, and even volunteers like you out there that help get involved with us to reach lost Jewish people. If you'd like to be a volunteer or work for us full-time, call us for information on opportunities at 800 800- 247-3051-800-247-3051. You can also call us with a donation of any amount to support Jewish evangelism and this Bible teaching radio program at 800-247-3051. Now, our Summer Blitz campaign is going on right now with 111 missionaries in 15 U.S. and Canadian cities, major Jewish cities, trying to reach lost Jewish people. Now, we've had Orthodox Jews now coming to church, even atheist Jews now coming and visiting church and receiving the gospel, materials at their door, on the street, person-to-person, face-to-face. Jewish people are being countered by our missionaries that are out there in these cities with gospel gifts from Israel Restoration Ministries and a personal witness. Now, if you'd like to support the gospel going to the Jew first throughout our nation right now, you can do so by calling us at 800-247-3051 with a donation of any amount, 800 247 3051. You can donate also at israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, call us now or after the program at 800 247 3051. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God, teaching us from Genesis 25 on the life of Jacob and Esau and the two nations and two manners of people that they are. So many times when we've gone the wrong way, so many times when I've gone the wrong way, God's mighty hand came down on me. You know, I remember one time I was in Paris in the 1990s. I want to take this customer, really want to impress this customer. So take him to one of these famous three-star Michelin restaurants called Michel Rostang, where you have to make reservations six months in advance. That's the place. And so I had just gotten this new suit. It was a light tan suit. And I wore that suit the first time. Oh, I really liked that suit. I mean, I'd been traveling around. I was down in Rome, got this suit. Boy, I thought I was the cat's meow in that suit. It was almost white, and it fit perfectly. And I was really proud of that suit. And I was kind of like feeling it, you know, and I'd walk. And I remember thinking the whole time at the restaurant, boy, this suit is really cat's meow here. All that light tan without a spot on it. And I thought, boy, I really feel like something in this suit. You know, and the waiter came by and he says, can I take your jacket? Oh, no, you can't take this jacket. <laughs> I said, you know, I want to wear this jacket. I got to feel this jacket. And I was getting real proud over that suit. And I was going the wrong way. And God saw that I was going the wrong way. And I needed a little bit of his mighty hand. Well, that restaurant, Michel Rostang, they're famous for making a certain duck dish called duck rouen. And duck rouen is where they prepare the duck in its own juices. And then they put the duck in this press and they press it, and then they serve this pressed duck meat. And so the table next to us had ordered this duck rouen. 
And so they bring out this cart, and on this cart is this very ornate stainless steel press, you know, probably came from Louis XIV's place or something like that. <laughs> and it had a large wheel on the top, you know, to operate the press. And so, you know, I was watching that, and in went the lightly cooked duck, and the waiter starts to turn and crank on this wheel to press the duck. And then all of a sudden, a spray of duck blood comes shooting out right across me. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I felt it, and I thought, I can't believe it. And I, <laughs> and I looked down, and there's a bright red stripe of duck blood across me. And I thought, hmm. Nobody else was hit by that stripe. It was just me. It was perfect. It was a precision French Exorcet missile that came out, came out of that press and hit me. And then Michel Rostong himself, he comes rushing out from the kitchen. He was profusely apologizing. At that point, I agreed to take the jacket off. And as soon as I looked down, I remember exactly, as soon as I looked down and saw that red stripe, I thought, I got a decision to make right here. I have a decision to make. Am I going to get angry and mad about this? You know, and start with all the French, oof, you know, c'est pas possible, how can this be? You know, this is unbelievable, incredible. You know, I was going to do that. Or just kind of hang my head down and say, you know, God, I had it coming. And confess my pride to God. And I remember thanking God at that point for the stream of duck blood across me. Because that stream of duck blood was the mighty hand of God. And it humbled me. You know, that happened over 20 years ago. I've never worn that suit again. <laughs> I, said, I still have it in my closet, you know, and I take it out and I look at it. It's a memorial, what it is. The, the restaurant took the suit. They dry cleaned it. Still has the plastic cover on it from the dry cleaners in Paris. And I was going the wrong way in pride. You come over to my house, I'll show you that suit. There was actually one advantage, I have to tell you, to that experience. Since that, I've called Michelle Rostong at times and asked for reservations for me and my customer for the same day. And all I have to do is identify myself. I'm the person who had the duck blood striped across them. <laughs> same day reservations. Anyway. So now we read in verse 25, the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. They called his name Esau. See, the name Esau, Esau, it means rough. And so as a baby, he looked rough. He looked pretty rough with so much hair on his body. And he looked like he was dressed in a coat, to, all ready to go out in the field. And so from his birth, he's known as the hairy one. He's known that way. And so Jacob's going to use that fact with Esau being the hairy one when he goes to Isaac, his father, and impersonates Esau. And he puts goat's hair on his arms and his neck. And he tricks Isaac into believing he's Esau. He's going to use that. And then we read how the next words are telling us something important about Jacob. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. His name's called Jacob. And Esau, he was 60 years old. She bare him. See, after that, his brother came out. Clearly, Jacob is the second born. He is the after that brother. He's the after that came his brother out. But he was a struggler. He was a struggler. Jacob will see that Esau is called to take this position, this position of his birthright, be the leader of the people of God. And because Jacob will know, in verse 26, that he is the son called the after that, his brother came out. He knows that. But Jacob will see his father Isaac favor Esau. And by his favoritism of Esau, Jacob will understand Isaac is calling Esau to that position of being the leader of the people. And that's going to hurt Jacob because it's going to hurt him because he's the verse 26 after that came his brother out. And even though Jacob, he is the verse 26 after that came his brother out, he's going to value what Esau despises. 
And when I think of Jacob in that verse 26 position, after that came his brother out, I think a seven-year-old Ariana at our last Sunday evening Christmas program. You know, there the program had finished, and I'd given the invitation, and I had in mind some adults in the audience who I knew they came here, they were lost. They were not saved. And I gave the invitation, and I gave the gospel call, and I gave the gospel call again, and I explained it several ways because I was focused on those lost adults. I didn't want them to leave as they came, lost. I wanted them to leave saved, but nobody came. Those adults, they heard the gospel call, but they didn't come forward when I invited them to. But then I saw seven-year-old Ariana fight her way. She was sitting right there, and she fought her way past her parents, past her sister there. She was like fighting, and she came forward that night to be saved. And as I looked at Ariana, and as I watched her fight her way to walk the aisle to be saved, I saw Jacob in her. I saw her saying, if no adult's going to go forward, I'm going to struggle my way out of this pew and come forward. And that's what she did. So at the delivery, all the eyes are fixed on Jacob, and particularly his little hand in verse 26. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, Isaac, okay, 60 years old. See, there's always a delay between the birth of twins. You don't have, they don't file out one after the other. There's about an, at least an hour delay before one comes out. So you never would see one coming out, grabbing a hold of the heel of another. But that's what happened. This was something remarkable. This is something unusual. And we can just imagine the first person who saw that little hand and say, look, 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 come over. You're not going to believe this. Look at his hand. He's got a hold of the heel of his brother. See, the Hebrew word for heel is akeb, and the name Yaakov, or Jacob, has the word akeb, or heel, in it. So it really means heel catcher. They said, we got a name for him. He's the heel catcher. And this history of grabbing the heel is carefully noted here because later in life, this heel grabber is going to become a God clinger in Genesis 32. And that's when his name's going to be changed from Jacob to Israel. But the reason it's noted here and the reason his name was given to memorialize what he did with his little hand is because in his heel grabbing, there's a little germ present inside of Jacob. It's the germ of Israel. The germ of Israel is inside of Jacob. And in his grabbing the heel of Esau, there's the beginning of of Israel. We're starting to see the beginning of Israel here who will grab God. And when he grabs God, he's going to say, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. In Genesis 32, 26, he is going to say, let me go. God's going to say, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go except thou bless me. See, it was that statement, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me, that made God give him the wonderful name of Israel. And that wrestling spirit of I will not let thee go, you can see it here as he grabs the heel of Esau. And now when we read how the twin boys develop, in verse 27, it says the boys grew, Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. The boys grew. They developed. Their characters developed. And we read that Esau, he developed into a cunning hunter. Not just an ordinary hunter, he was an extraordinary hunter. He was a cunning hunter. The Hebrew word translated cunning is the word yada, which means uh, knowing. He was a knowing hunter. He knew, Esau knew, he knew where to find the game. He knew the ways of the game. He knew the best way to kill the game. He knew. And Esau knew the field. He knew how to hunt like the back of his hand. 
And we can imagine that when Esau said that he was going out to hunt, everybody says, then we're going to eat game tonight. Because he knows he won't return home empty-handed. He'll come back with some deer across his shoulders. And no one, and there was no one in the family like that. He really kind of seemed out of place. I mean, Esau brought the game home. Esau really seemed like, you could ask the question, is he really the son of Isaac? Isaac wasn't like that. Is he the grandson of Abraham? Abraham wasn't like that. Is he the brother of Jacob? Certainly Jacob wasn't like that. It was a big show when Esau brought back the game game there. He hunted it down. He killed it. Very impressive when he came back because Esau made himself a cunning hunter. He made himself a knowledgeable hunter. See, when Esau was in the field, he felt at home. And that's why his title in verse 27 is a man of the field. He's a man of the field. Then there's Jacob. Well, he's described in contrast in verse 27. Jacob is a plain man. He's dwelling in tents. Yeah, so, you know, what can you say? There's, and then there's Jacob. Well, someone has to be in the kitchen cooking. You know? <laughs> Someone's got to be making the beds, you know, while the real men go out and hunt for the food for the family. See, it says Jacob was a plain man. In Hebrew, the word that, um, when it says plain, that word, I like that word plain because it's close to me because the word Tom is what and it means he was kind of an undefiled man. He was a gentle man. And it's used in Song of Solomon 5.2 when it says, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, my Tom. Then it says that Jacob was dwelling in tents. He just liked to be tents. He loved to be at home. He didn't want to go outside. Where's Jacob? He's in the tent. Well, he was always in the tent. See, from the time he gets up in the morning till the time he goes to sleep, he's in the tent. If you want to go find him, go find the tent. He prefers to stay in the tents. Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. We'll return on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor has designed a beautiful, full-color gospel presentation track. It's a Ten Commandment track that asks the question, Have you kept the Ten Commandments? And are you good enough? In this gospel presentation that's very detailed, goes through prophecy and fulfillments, Old Testament verses, and presents the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from the Old Testament and shows that he's the Jewish Messiah for Gentiles and Jewish people. It's a tremendous gospel presentation. We'll give you 20 of them for a $20 or more donation towards the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. You can call for your 20 tracks with a $20 or more donation at 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information about Tom Cantor. Now here again is Tom Cantor. So, so here's gentle Isaac. We can picture him. And he sees that Rebecca is not going to have any more children. I mean, the twins is it. That's it. And he's about to transfer to one of his two sons the great promise for the future that involves the land of Canaan, possessing the land of Canaan. So Isaac, he looks over his two sons, and he sees Jacob. He sees a shlemiel. He sees a, he's a plain man. And he sees an Isaac. He says, he's kind of like me. You know, not impressive. And then Isaac, he sees Jacob, he just loves to stay at home in the tents and in the kitchen. He's moving from tent to tent. He's like a house dog, you know. And then Isaac looks at Esau, and he sees, now, that's a real man. Boy, he doesn't move around the tents like a house dog like Jacob. He moves around the tent like some kind of a young lord. 
And he's just ready to take power. And Isaac says, now let's see now. Which one of these two sons is best suited to hold Canaan as a possession and fight off the enemies? And there's no question about it. It's Esau. And so he loves Esau. Because there's something that Isaac loves about Esau. And it's the venison. It's the venison. He got a weakness for venison. You know, Isaac raised goats. Isaac raised sheep. And sheep and goats don't taste the same as venison. Venison is special. I don't like sheep and goat. I raised a lot of sheep and goat. We ate a lot of sheep and goat. I don't like sheep and goat. I'll tell you that now. I didn't tell you that when our boys were growing up. I told them goat was better than beef because goat was free for us because we raised goats. But um, I know now, and I won't eat goat. But uh, Isaac loved venison. And that venison was really special, and only Esau could bring the venison home. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew reads that Esau put the venison in Isaac's mouth. I mean, they had that kind of a close relationship all centered on the venison. They only have a relationship based on food. It's not exactly spiritual fellowship. But anyway, now comes the scene that's typical in verse 29. Jacob sowed pottage and Esau came from the field. He was faint. See, there's Jacob, just where we expect him, cooking in the kitchen a stew. And here comes Esau, the man of the field. He's coming in off the field. It's been a rough day for Esau in the field. He's exhausted. He's hungry to the point of being faint. Now, the last words that a person speaks on earth are very important. And often, they define the person himself, so the Bible records the last words. For example, like Stephen, his last words were in Acts 7.60, where it says that he kneeled down, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said that, he fell asleep. That defined Stephen as a person. He gave his life to preach the gospel so that he could see people not have their sins charged against them. And so his last words are, Lord, lay not this sin against them. See, the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ are when he said in John 19.30, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, it's finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That defined the Lord Jesus as a person because he gave his life to finish a work of redemption, a work that involved three parts, a great work of atoning for our sins, a great work of bringing to God the lost who were seeking God, and the great work of not losing any that had come to God. And so his last word is about the work that he finished. He said, I finished it. And so that's why the Bible records for us the last words of some people in order for us to really know them. Well, in verse 25, Esau is born. But in verse 30, that's the first time we hear from Esau. And these are the first words from Esau that the Bible records. And so they tell us about who Esau is when we read in verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. See, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me. The first words we hear from Esau are, feed me, in verse 30. And when Esau said, feed me, in verse 30, Esau used a particular Hebrew word, la'at, which means to swallow in a greedy manner. See, by using that word la'at, Esau was saying, give me that food so that I can feel it now. Give me that food so I can feel the sensations of swallowing. See, by using that word, that word la'at, for feed, in verse 30, Esau's not saying this. Esau's not saying, now, let me just have a wonderful eating experience. He's not saying that. He says, he, what he's saying here is, he says, let me have this eating experience to be with the thrill of a hunter. 
who satisfies his hunger with the thrill of finding the prey. And then has the thrill of running down his prey. And then has the thrill of violently killing his prey. And then the satisfying thrill of feeling the the hunger satisfied by the swallowing sensation. That's what he's saying. He's a cunning hunter. And he lives for the thrill of the hunt and the kill. He's like the lion. A lion whose hunger drives him into the thrill. And you've seen these pictures and these videos where the lion would got this thrill of this great focus as he controls every muscle fiber in his body to crouch low, walk silently in the long grass till he's in the most advantageous position. And then the thrill of exhilaration is he fires each one of those muscles to spring and hunt down his prey. And then with precision, the lion then locks his teeth over the windpipe as he feels the thrill of the slow suffocation of his prey. And finally, he satisfies with the thrill of the swallowing sensation as he devours his prey. That's Esau. That's Esau. He's the cunning hunter. He's used the word la'at. He's a man who loves the thrill of the sensations, especially the sensations involved in stalking and overpowering and devouring. See, he found those thrills in the field. He's the cunning hunter. That's what we mean when we say Esau was a sensual man. The next word that Esau uses in verse 30 is translated, I pray thee. In the Hebrew, it's just one word, na, which we've already seen before. It means now. So that's a word for, right? It's a word for the present. It's a word for urgency. So Esau's saying to Jacob, he wanted to feel those sensations of swallowing now. See, by using that word na in verse 30, we learn that Esau's living for the present. He's living in the present. He's living for the present. By using the word na in verse 30, we learn Esau, he's got no interest to live for the future. So you notice in verse 30 that the word pottage there is soup is in italics, which means it doesn't appear in the Hebrew, but it's been added to so a clarification. So now what we can imagine is how Esau comes into Jacob and he's out of breath. He's like, you know, and he's pointing. He says, you know, me, swallow, now, red. And that's what he's doing. And see, because he didn't even say, he says the, the stew was red. So he says, red. So they called him red. Called him Edom. Edom. That means red. And now we see Jacob's response in verse 31. Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now we see Jacob, he saw how much Esau really wanted that stew. He had to have that stew. And Jacob saw his opportunity to make a deal that he wanted. So Esau, he's not the only cunning hunter in this family. Uh, Jacob's also very cunning, and he's hunting for that birthright. Because Jacob appreciates what Esau despises. Jacob is like believers. Believers appreciate what the world despises. Believers appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the world despises. So Jacob appreciated that the promises associated with that birthright, they're valuable, they extend far into the future, they extend and they involve the invisible. Esau, he's got no interest in what extends into the future. He doesn't care about what involves the invisible. Esau's a man of current sensual pleasures, regardless of the future, he doesn't care. But Jacob has a higher longing, a higher hope, and this world can't satisfy Jacob. And Jacob did not force Esau into this deal. Jacob left Esau to either accept or reject the offer to sell his birthright. There's no fraud here. Later there'll be fraud, but not here. Now we read Esau's response to the proposal in verse 32. Esau says, behold, I'm at the point to die. 
What profit shall this birthright do to me? See, he says, these are tragic, tragic words. These are like one of the most tragic statements in the Bible. It's a statement that revealed how blind Esau was. If Esau was at the point to die. Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, who is the Friendship with God radio host, but also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism outreach ministry, and your donation of any amount helps to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program staying on this station in your city. Would you consider giving a donation of any amount? You can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org can donate one time, or you can become a monthly supporter with a donation of any amount that's reoccurring by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now, with a donation of $20 or more this month, you will receive 20 tracks from Tom Cantor. These are specially designed gospel tracks, full color, beautiful tracks with an incredible presentation of the gospel from the Old Testament using Old Testament scripture, prophecy, and fulfillment, showing that you need a blood sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ was prophesied to be that. And it's a beautiful gospel presentation you can give to a Jewish person or a Gentile. And again, it's designed specifically by Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor. Get 20 of these for a $20 or more donation. It'll help support this Bible teaching radio program as well as support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries and our summer blitz that's going on in the U.S. and Canada in 15 major cities with over 111 missionaries. You'll be supporting the gospel going to the Jew first as well as the Gentiles. Now, you can call with a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you these 20 tracks. Call us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, This offer is not available on our website right now, although we do have a bookstore online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. But call us directly for these 20 tracks for a $20 or more donation to support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism. 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051.